When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am doing all right. Well, We'll get right started right away here. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out today on TPQ20. Uh, we always like to start off by saying uh, we know who you are, uh, but our audience might be new to you. So if you were to kind of give the bio that will not be on your upcoming Alice James book, uh, what do you think that bio might be? Who are you? Okay. So my bio outside of what's on my website. Yeah. Like what are your passions? Who are you really? Okay. Okay. So my name is Sarah Ghazal Ali. Yes, my middle name is Ghazal. I did not pick that for myself. I'm left-handed. I'm a Gemini. Um, I am currently really obsessed with fall in central Pennsylvania. It has been unbelievable. I'm from California, so I've really missed the seasons. And I'm basically, I don't think I grew out of that five-year-old thing where you need to do the same thing over and over again. I'm like that with board games. <laughs> if you like show me something shiny once or you introduce me to a game, I need to play it 35,000 times. I need to learn how to cheat at that game. Ah. Yeah. All right, well, let's work our way backwards then and start with games. What are your favorites? Ooh, okay. So, oh my goodness, what is the name of that well, game? Well, maybe the question should be, which game have you played the most? Maybe that should be the first one. Ooh, okay. I've played a lot of Animal Crossing, especially <laughs> in the pandemic. <laughs> I don't think I'm unique there. Um, but Animal Crossing was, I got really deep into it. Like I joined a Discord thing and then I watched like Twitch thing. Um, there were treasure, oh, anyways, I just, I, I got way too deep in Animal Crossing for a while there. Um, <laughs> but there's this board game that my brother introduced me to that was really dark. What was it called? It had something to do with either, I think like Cain and Abel, Ooh, where okay. like one of the siblings, it was a card game and there were like, you're murdering each other. Oh my goodness, I wish I could think of the name, but got really into that game, but can't remember the name of it. <laughs> And then otherwise, I really like cards. Um, okay. I love playing um, like speed, things that yes. are just fast and aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> speed and spoons and uh, yeah. yeah, there was, yeah. No, there, I've been, I've been playing a lot of, a lot of hearts lately again. Uh, that's been my, like my stress relief lately has been, has been just sitting down and playing like on my phone, playing little games of hearts as, as my students stress me out in between classes, I can play a couple quick games. And... Did you get into Wordle? I was really into Wordle. <laughs> I did not. I avoided the Wordle thing because my I am not somebody who can 
pick thing words together. My wife, Courtney, is amazing at things like that where letters just go together and they make things that they should. I am not that person. Uh, and I just, I avoided it like the plague. It was fun to watch. It was fun to watch for a long time. It was kind of like the, the words with friends. So it was, uh, it was, it was fun to watch and see who was doing what. Uh, but no, how about you? Were you a big Wordle player? I was. It became a bonding thing. Like yeah. my mother-in-law was really into it. Sisters-in-law, friends. It's like you're making group chats and then yeah. catching up with each other at midnight. Like, oh, did you already play the next one? It got very intense, of course. Love it was it. a good time. I'm not so much into it now, but it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> right, right. So uh, we've moved from California to Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm, we're out here uh, just uh, just above Oregon in Vancouver, Washington. So not, you know, uh, you know, it's the rainy season most of the year. We're hitting that uh, hitting that trend. We we could use more of some wildfires going on around here right now. So we would love love a little rain at this point. But uh, Pennsylvania is beautiful, and I have definitely been out that direction in the season before. Um, it is quite the uh, it is quite the gorgeous environment. Uh, nice to uh, sit in a park and write type of. Uh, type of environment yeah what brought what brought you out to Pennsylvania so I'm here for the Stadler Fellowship in literary editing there's two um fellowships every year one in arts administration and then one's in editing and one is in editing um and so I'm here as the poetry editor for the journal West Branch oh that's so much fun congratulations there's a lot of a lot of congrats to you as as uh you know the winner of the Alice James Book Award uh, so that's, that's going to be incredible and we'll definitely get to that. Um, but let's start really early for you. Let's start. When did you first get introduced to the world of writing for yourself? Uh, who was that? Was there a catalyst author that you read a book and you were like, oh my gosh, I have to write a story or a poem. Um, who, uh, how did you get started? Oh, that's such a good question. I think in general, for me, it was Naomi Shihab Nye. I remember being, so I grew up in Massachusetts and then I moved to California in high school. Um, so I've definitely experienced both coasts, right. um, a lack of diversity on one and a lot of diversity in the other. And so since most of my early education was in this small suburb in Massachusetts, um, a lot of the books that I was reading, I've always liked to read, but a lot of the books that I was reading for school and like third grade, fourth grade, what have you, it was all the same stuff. All the protagonists are these white characters. And in my head, I'm like, okay, cool. You can only write about one kind of person. I didn't really think much of it. And then at the library, I found this book by Naomi Shihab Nye called Habibi. Um, and it was about a Palestinian teenager who is, going back to Palestine for the first time with her family and she doesn't want to go. She wants to like spend her summer at home. Um, but I remember being so shocked that there were other people in the world <laughs> that weren't white and you're actually allowed to write about them. And I was like, wow, like I, I had still at that point not read anything about a Pakistani protagonist. I still didn't think that was possible, but I was like, wow, like I see myself here. And I think that really broke something open in my brain. I can't remember what grade I read that in, but I want to say it was maybe third grade, fourth grade. It was definitely pretty early on. Yeah. And that was what first got me thinking like, wow, like I am also interesting and I could also write things. Um, 
And then poetry in particular, I think for that, it came later in life, maybe middle school. Um, and that was, you know, the typical thing. I felt so strongly about like boys and my friends and all this drama and like our seventh grade classroom. I don't even know. And so I still have a bunch of those like rhyming poems in my journals, you know, where I'm like, when will you be who I'm trying to be? Like that kind of thing. Um, I always tell people to hold on to those for like the episodes mortified. Like I think, <laughs> I think all poets should have to go up and read their, you know, their fifth grade through like senior year of high school poetry. Cause uh, I had my mom type up all of my, or, or I'm not sure if I had her type up or if she just typed them all up, all of my note, my poetry notebooks from high school, she just typed up and, and I have, like and made copies of them. Like I have a stack of them and I can't imagine who might have seen them along the way. And it's very scary. Yeah, that's amazing though. I mean- It is, it's cool to have that, like to have that, like those notebooks are fun. Like it's- Yeah. Do you ever think about that? I always think like after we die, is someone going to like dig up all of our journals and our tweets? I don't know. Oh my God. Well, it's, you know, it, I, I've talked a lot like over these last few seasons to people who, you know, you, we have all these notes tabs on our phones or all these like things where we just have scattered one-liners and those one-liners out of context can be really tricky sometimes. So yeah, the, uh, the legacy uh, that we leave <laughs> somebody to go through, I guess we, we uh, you know, all the poets should box up everything and just bury it one day and it can be our time capsule for the future. It would be really cool, but also mortifying. So depends, depends <laughs> whether you want to burn it or bury it. <laughs> so when then did poetry, oh, so, so keep going with you, uh, with when kind of poetry took over, you're saying around middle school, those journals. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. Who were who you reading then that got you heading that direction? I remember it was Sylvia Plath in oh, particular. Right. Sylvia Plath and E.E. E. Cummings. Okay. Um, because before then, I think I was just, I love novels. I still love novels. I feel like fiction is my first love. That's what I turn to. Um, and that's what I was interested in as a kid until I encountered poetry for the first time. And I think initially it was probably E.E. E. Cummings where we were assigned a poem or two for some sort of assignment. And that was the first time I saw someone doing something really weird and unexpected with language, like with his syntax and, like how he made like you know sense like what was sense making in that poem in any of those poems and so I was really captivated by how strange he made language and then Sylvia Plath was a, a similar thing where I had this one assignment in eighth grade I want to say where we had to pick a poem by anyone do a deep dive into the poet and write you know a 10-page paper about one particular poem and then also what we see in that poem that's representative of the poet at large and that was the first time I got one of those Cambridge introductions to a writer um, yep. free computers in classrooms too so it was a it was a whole thing like I journeyed to the library and looked for all the books on Sylvia Plath and the stacks and she was just super captivating to me um, she's got you know a legacy, capital L. Right. No, yeah. yeah. You, it's funny you hit on two of my my favorites. Uh, I have, um, I know we're in podcast land, but my arm is uh, E. E. Cummings dying is fine, 
um, I have down down one arm, and then uh, Sylvia Plath's um, uh, from, uh, from her book Ariel. Uh, my favorite poetry line ever is, "I am nothing. I have nothing to do with explosions." Mm. Um, and there's just I, the tulips. That's where that one's from. And and there's just such a there's such a power and beauty in, in and starkness in the way that Plath can use language. And it's it's there there are very few poets for me that have kind of like, you know, that give me the goose, like good goosebumps every time you read through pieces. And Plath is definitely one of them. And yeah, Cummings use of language is just amazing. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the lack of sentence structure to provide sentence structure and context to what he's trying to say is, is really cool. Absolutely. And Tulips is the one that I wrote my paper on too. It's so great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, they, uh, the legacy of, of Plath is, is really fascinating. Um, so when, when was the first time that you wrote a piece you were willing to publish? Grad school. I think grad school for sure. Um, I don't think I wrote much in high school. I kind of put that aside. That's when my dream to become a lawyer kind of started rattling around in my head. Right. And so I went to college, still thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but I was always a reader. So I also, I double majored in poli-sci and English and then ended up getting my MFA. And I think it was, it was while I was in college that I started writing poetry again. And, but it was just like, I was deep in Tumblr, like I'm sure many people were. And yeah, I would write my little Tumblr poems, super angsty and just, <laughs> oh my goodness. It was, I still, I like go back and look at my Tumblr account sometimes and see all those phones in my drafts and whatnot and yeah it's a dark time see but, that's a that's one site that that we should all be cataloging the things that were written on tumblr because yeah. when that goes away we really will lose just a generation of language that's so true i i really hope someone writes like a book or something about the Tumblr. Yeah. it was oh my goodness um but yeah, so in college I had started writing again, and then in grad school I was, you know, more seriously pursuing a life devoted to writing, to poetry. And in grad school, a lot of my peers were sending out work, and I was seeing their work at accepted places. And I hadn't really thought about sending out my own work until I saw someone else do it too, you know, like the person sitting next to me in workshop. And I was like, oh, okay, I love her work. Um, I feel like we have, you know, my work kind of resonates with hers, hers resonates with mine. So let me try doing the same thing. Yeah. And so I think it was towards the end of my first year in grad school when I started putting some feelers out there. Yeah. Do you remember your first acceptance? I do, I do. My first acceptance was from Up the Staircase Quarterly. Cool. Yeah, they took two poems, I think. Yeah. That's awesome. Great journal, wonderful people. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, if I, I want to say it right, Theophanies? Theophanies, yeah. Ah, okay. Close. There are. So um, one, congratulations. Alice James Books is truly uh, one, of the, one of the great places to be. They, the people there are wonderful, and they love, love promotion for their books. Um, so you've definitely found a good home uh, there. So um, lately, I've been really fascinated by timelines of how books came together. 
when was the first poem to uh, and how is it going still? Because I know with a you know early twenty twenty four date, so you're still in the still time to uh, edit and fiddle around a little bit. Yes. So when was the first poem written and are you the same writer now as you were when that first poem was written? Oh, I love this question. So the very first poem. Okay, so the answer is kind of twofold. Right. because There was one poem that began the book as a project. Um, and that poem I wrote in college for the poet Ronaldo V. Wilson's like senior seminar for um, my creative writing major, where he told us to kind of investigate the origins of our names. Ooh. And my whole thing in my book is I'm obsessed with the original mothers of faith. So there's Mary, there's Eve, um, and there's also Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Mm. And so that was the first time I started looking into the woman that I was named for. And so that was the first poem that I wrote that, you know, it stayed in the book for a long time. It was in the thesis version of my book during grad school, but I took it out just before sending it out. Um, it felt like it was what I needed to get into the book, but then it was almost like a bay leaf, you know, where you put it in, but then you take it out before you actually see the soup. Um, so that poem's no longer in the book, but it still feels like, its spirit is in there. Right. That's kind of imbued the book with its its magic, so to speak. Um, but the first poem that has stayed in the book, and as far as timeline, yeah, it was this poem that was published in Waxwing called The Guest. And it was written in my very first grad school poetry workshop with Dara Wire. And it was about animals. Like the theme of the workshop was every week try to turn in a poem that has an animal in it. And I was so resistant to that because I thought, you know, I was like this lofty poet who writes about deep things and what do animals have to do with anything? Yes, but there are deers on the sides of the road that, that need help, so. <laughs> and so I ended up writing this poem about a snake that had emerged from the radiator vent thing in my apartment which actually happened oh it out of nowhere. And then I have no idea what happened to that snake after it vanished. Nope. Um, <laughs> but that poem has, has stayed. That was, I think, the oldest in the version that the book is today. Right. And do you feel like the last poem you've written for that book has the same voice? Or do you think throughout the process, it changed, it changed who, you know, you changed over the course of however long it takes. So do you think your voice by the end, do you think it's where you, uh, where you thought it would be or is it different from the beginning? I think the very last poem that I wrote, I wrote after the book had already been accepted mm. and it was in one of the earliest revisions that I did. Um, and I think that my voice in that poem is a lot quieter. Um, and it's marking a departure from the way that I used to write, like throughout college, throughout grad school, um, in the early kind of days of the pandemic when I was, I know a lot of people said that they really could not read or write, but in those first couple of months, I was really intense <laughs> and writing a lot. And so a lot of the book was written in early 2020, weirdly enough. Um, 
but yeah, I feel like the voice got quieter. And so a lot of the work that I'm writing right now, it seems like that final poem, it's almost like a bridge between the earlier Sara voice and the direction that 2022 Sara's voice is kind of going in. And what is that next direction for you? What do you foresee being your uh, your next step in this lovely world? I know we started by saying, you know, your fiction was a was a kind of a first love. Are we going to get a a fiction book from you, or are we uh, are we getting another another chap book or a manuscript? Which manuscript is coming our direction? That's a big giant question, <laughs> and <laughs> I. I'm trying to write fiction. I have been for, for a bit, but I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Like initially, I always wanted to be a writer, but I always wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to write stories and it, I was drawn to poetry. And so poetry is what I feel comfortable in and what I gravitate towards. But recently, especially since starting this fellowship, you know, it's it's a year to to be here in this new place and just focus on my writing and focus on what's next. But I feel like I'm supposed to be writing poetry while I'm here and <laughs> <laughs> trying to write fiction. So that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like in the past two or three weeks, I've started writing again. I have an idea of, you know, what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm starting to ask myself new questions and think about new things, but I'm very much still in that thinking phase. I don't think I'm in the writing more poems phase. And that might also just be because I'm still so far out from my publication date and yeah. like two or three more rounds of revision ahead of me. So like I just turned in my first author questionnaire and you know, on those you have to think about like, how would you summarize your book in a paragraph? And what are the themes? And so I'm still, I feel like I, I can't quite get out of theophanies yet. And until right. I can kind of shake my yeah. hand with it, I can't quite turn my attention to a new poetry project. Well, then in that case, who are you reading now that you're excited about? So what poetry projects are, are you know, taking off your bookshelves and, and your, uh, you know, space in your head as you're doing this? Mm, who, sure. who are you excited about? So... Recently, I have been reading, did I just finish? Oh, I just started A Tinderbox in Three Acts by the poet. It's through Boa Editions. I'm, I don't want to butcher the poet's name, but it's Cynthia, I want to say Daily Oka. And right, yeah, that just came out, I think, maybe yeah. two ago. Yeah, I, just, I was going to say, I know, I know that from my review pile. So I know that, um, I know that name. <laughs> started going through that that book is phenomenal it's so good it's so good and then um luther hughes a shiver in the leaves i just got a copy of that it's that that book uh that that book's a game changer it's uh i that's that's a really special book oh, i only i've only just started it and i'm super excited and then sana wani um her debut came out this year my grief the sun stunning it's it's so beautiful and i i keep that close now as i'm i feel like it really opens my brain up so that's a great book to have as i'm you know in my thinking yep. period um i just read shayla seabreeze field study uh, shayla is the director of the stadler center where i'm at cool. so it's, it feels extra special like i, I see her yeah. every 
okay and just read her book and it's really beautiful. Um, Threya Almonthasar's The Wild Fox of Yemen that came out maybe 2021, I think. There's so much exciting stuff being published. It really is. Um, it's and then, a, yeah, it's a good, it is a really good time for, yeah. for poetry publications these days. We've got a, the next two, three years feel really packed with some really important pieces. So well done for being a part of that, uh, of that mix over the next couple of years. Thank you. Ooh, can I also, can I tell you poets without books that I'm excited yeah, about? Absolutely. I'm thinking that there's so many ways to answer this question, but yes, who um, should we be following and waiting for? So Patricia Humenic is a, also a Seattle, you're not in Seattle, but a Seattle. I, yeah, just, yeah, not too far away from. Okay, 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 yeah. So Patricia has been working on her first book, Anchor Baby, and I've been lucky enough to read a couple of versions of it. Oh my God, it's so good. I cannot wait to see what press scoops that up. Uh, oh, Gabby Bates, Gabby Bates. <laughs> Judas goes, goat is. So yes. excited, so excited so, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out today on TPQ20. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with you, and I look forward to sending more people your direction, uh, especially over the next year or so as we gear up for the release of Theophanies. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for hanging out today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Absolutely. You as well. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.